Hello, everybody. Yep. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I am yet other co-host, Brad. You see, my excitement almost threw him off. He was like, oh, I, I am uh, um, I'm yeah. Brad. <laughs> I, I'm still not used to, for the longest time, saying AKA Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still throwing me off and getting rid of the AKA. Wow. Yeah, I know you told me that. I, I, I'm used to the Brad by now. I'm, <laughs> I'm used to the straight up Brad. But uh, we got a fun one. It's the final countdown. It's the final batch of uh, Oscar-nominated, Oscar Best Picture-nominated films that we didn't get to cover throughout the year that uh, we get to finish up. We got Top Gun Maverick, uh, Triangle of Sadness, and Tar. Yes. So I, right off the bat, though, we got to say this Oscars nomination for Best Picture is packed. Uh, it this is. This one is one of those years where there are so many good nominations that there are some that'd be like, okay, if this wins, I'd be a little confused, but none of the nominations really feel undeserved. Like usually Mm -hmm. we'll have a movie or a couple movies that it's like, I don't understand how this got in here at all, but all Mm -hmm. of them, whether it's, you know, something with the cinematography, the message or the overall kind of film in regards to like the director's vision, there's a reason for all of them making it in this year, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, sans two films. I, I I like this list of best pictures. Uh, I I think mostly it's it's a it's a job well done. Uh, yeah, I like most of them. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, most of the time it's like a toss up fifty fifty of us going. How did that get nominated? Why is this on the list? <laughs> it's not more. It, yeah, it's not so much of me wondering why something got nominated. It's me going, of course, of course, that one oh. would be in in the hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, i ain't gonna lie one of those movies i do feel that way about is banshees i know that's your movie yeah but I, I liked it i still think that one was a fantastic movie yeah i know i did like it i just i'm like that's picture okay <laughs> but uh yeah man not a bad choice at all so um i think if we're gonna go chronological this time around uh, we got one. We got probably the first moment in double feature versus history where two movies came out on the exact same day. Yeah. And, so uh, uh, I say just coin flip and see who goes first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> we, we we just we just top it off. It's Top Gun, Triangle, Sadness, and Tar. Yep. I mean, it, it's just simple. Yep. But um, all right, man. Without further ado, we can just start this off. Now, I'm going to start this off with uh, Joseph Kosinski's Top Gun Maverick. Uh, pretty bare bones plot here, man. If you know the 1986 film Top Gun, you know Tom Cruise is uh, one of his iconic roles as a uh, Maverick, uh, the naval aviator. So he he gets back in this role in this one. And in this one, it's kind of, a, you know, we may be done with the past, but the past isn't done with us kind of film. Uh, also introducing a new group of, uh, you know, aviators in training. So Maverick has to confront the past demons of his uh, deceased friend Goose by ha- being put in a position to train his deceased friend's son, uh, Rooster. That's such a cute name. Um, so he's he's trained a group of uh, young Top Gun graduates, and uh, he's basically trained them for a dangerous mission. 
we don't know what country or who they're trying to take down for political reasons, but we know the enemy is the enemy. Um, but anyway, it's a very, I, I'd say it's a very um, action-packed film about, you know, uh, redemption, you know, um, the past, nostalgia, and uh, learning your own way. Kind of like how Top Gun was a little bit. And that is the bare bones plot of Top Gun Maverick. You know, I got to say, for the longest time, um, I don't know if it was during the pandemic. I, I want to say post-peak pandemic, we kept seeing previews for this movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember the whole time going, this this better be the best movie of all time. <laughs> the way I keep seeing this film, you know, get advertised and keep being delayed. Like, this better be the best film of the year. Yeah, like, I remember... Ironic. It was originally supposed to come out in 2020, like toward the end of 2020. So yeah. filming was happening like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we the release date for this movie kept getting pushed back as theaters remained closed. And they kept pushing it off and everything like that until they could get it. Because Tom Cruise refused to let this movie release onto a streaming service or in any way that wasn't a theatrical experience. You know what? That at the end of the day, people may people can say what they want about Tom Cruise personally, but that was not a bad decision. No, I it mean, is absolutely needed for this movie. Yeah, I mean, per what Steven Spielberg said at a recent award ceremony, this film may have saved cinema. It may have saved the theatrical experience of going to the cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, when you think of like Top Gun, that movie came out back in the like mid 80s right mm-hmm. for the original so for a sequel to come out you know almost what is that like it, nearly 40 years later mm-hmm. is insane for it to be like oh yeah it's it's the sequel that you deserve and everything but honestly i i think that this movie is better than the original when it comes to I'd say like, that, yeah, and which is a yeah. crazy thing. Like forty years later, almost we get a sequel to a movie that is already highly regarded, and people are like, "Oh no, this is better. That this is a better movie than the original." I mean, we've seen it before, right? You know, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and I, I put that film as probably the best Mad Max film I've ever seen. And oh I, yeah, I love the I love the Road Warrior. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's it goes to show like how much effort and love was put into this movie, especially from Tom Cruise, because uh, I remember some of the like behind the scenes kind of stuff when this was getting like in production, everything where he was like yelling at staff for not following like the protocols of COVID and everything like that. And it's like, I think that was on a Mission Impossible set. Was that on Mission Impossible? One. I believe so. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, either way, it's he shows such a passion for the movies that he's a part of and everything. And the Mm -hmm. fact that he refused to let this release until it could get a theatrical release. Absolutely the right call, because watching this at home is not the same as watching it in a theater, I will say. And especially when it comes to the tension in this movie, I don't know if it's because of the bigger screen or like the sound design that's made for more sound, you know, surround sound experience. But the tension in this movie and those flight scenes and everything are done Mm -hmm. so well. And sadly, it doesn't hold up as well just watching it at home on your, you know, normal TV and everything. I, I really hope that this one gets like, 
every like maybe five years or so that like go about in theaters again as a classic kind of movie. Really? You thought it was that? You thought, you thought it was that legendary? I think for the theater experience of it. Yeah. You know? oh, wow. OK. Yeah. You know, this is this is one of those films that, you know, it's a great crowd pleaser. Oh, you know yeah. I mean, it's the um, it's the chemistry. It's the action. You know, it's um, the character journeys, uh, the character development uh, through many of these characters. Yeah, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I don't know about re-released every five years, but, you know, I uh, I think well, I'm saying for problem. that, like weekend showing kind of thing at. Uh, I, I got you. Because, yeah, it when it comes to certain movies, the theatrical experience of it holds more mm-hmm. than the movie itself. And this is one of those movies kind of like, uh, you know, Inception, where you have watching that in a theater is a lot different than watching it at home. Uh, mm. You know, there's yeah, a yeah. ton of those kind of movies where it, you just have that sound, you have that bigger picture. It, it completely changes the movie and how you're watching it. Yeah, I would say this is um, yeah, it's definitely what you're saying for sure. I, I'm just in awe that this is like Tom Cruise's highest grossing film. You know how long this guy's been in Hollywood, like on the yeah. top, on, on top in Hollywood. This is his highest grossing film. You would expect that to be one of the Mission Impossible's or something. This is his highest grossing movie, dude. Well, at the same time, you got to keep in mind a lot of people still weren't going to movie theaters. They were like, there's no reason to go. And then mm-hmm. everybody was hearing about this movie. This almost had like the same effect that Avatar had where, you know, you had that initial burst of people going to see it because they wanted to go see the new movie. And then they right. started talking about it and you had people going, Oh, like the new top gun. Okay. I'll, I'll go check it out. And then yeah, they that- were telling their friend and it just kept getting like, I don't know if this one saw higher numbers of tickets sold week per week, but it was definitely steady enough where most movies like after the third weekend, it basically is almost, you know, ground floor. That's where you're getting the five dollar ticket sales in. This one was weekend to weekend for a while. Mm hmm. Yeah. Everybody in a mama was going to see Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. People that had been to the movies in a while was like, hey, I remember that movie. Right. You know, <laughs> humming the danger zone theme song to themselves uh, walking into the theater. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that the movie even starts with that too. (laughs) Right, right, right. For sure. Um, Yeah, dude, I gotta say uh, Tom Cruise, like I said, even if the movie he's in is bad, he's never bad. He himself, you know, he, 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 he steers the ship here and uh, you know, it, he's the best captain to do it. Mm -hmm. I love miles Teller in the role of rooster. I feel like he paired very well with uh, Tom Cruise and their chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love seeing Val Kilmer again, you know, uh, in his uh, small role. Um, who else was I going to say? Uh, Glenn Powell was a, you know, he was a terrific dick, you know, <laughs> as uh, you know, I like I like all the uh, the um, the flight men in this movie, you know, including um, the new recruits. Oh, yeah, 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 the new recruits. I was going to say my man. Who's uh who's in that show I like on HBO? Oh, don't do this to me. Jay Ellis. I like Jay Ellis in this one too. But yeah, I like all the new recruits. Um, I like Jennifer Connelly's role as the love interest. You know, mm-hmm. she's not the typical love interest. You know, she's uh she's tough. She's a she's an independent woman, and she she matches Maverick's you know Maverick style. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I love in the scenes in the bar and everything where she has the bell for whenever, what was it? You say something inappropriate, you harass mm-hmm. one of the bartenders, or you put your phone on the bar. And the second he puts his phone on the bar, she rings the bell and points to the sign. Uh, then when he says, oh, I, I can't pay, I'll come back next time, and I, I pay, I promise, rings it again, and they kick right. him out of the bar. Like, I love the back and forth that they had with each other. It, it absolutely definitely made the chemistry between them work out so much better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, another person I like is um, John Hain. I love how he's like, he's like, the whole time, the whole movie, he's like, Dude, I really don't want this guy here. <laughs> he's not. Listen, I know who he is. He's 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 a rascal. He's not gonna like. He, we we can find someone better. I don't want this guy here. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, "Come on, he's you know he's a rascal, but he's our rascal. You know, he's our maverick." Right. I uh yeah. Yeah, I especially uh, love when uh, he's basically telling him, look, you're basically teaching these students that the mission that they're on is impossible. We want you to teach them how to do it, but you're not doing that. And so he steals the aircraft and shows them that he he could do it in less time than he was training them to do it. And I absolutely love that as that kind of just, you know, knocking that one right out of the park and going, "Okay, balls in your court again. Let, let's see it. <laughs> right, right. A person in this film that I would have loved to see more of, because I just love seeing him on screen, is uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. He played... He was towards the beginning. So, like, when we when we see um, uh, Tom Cruise in the beginning, and he's he's uh, trying to beat that record. And, oh, uh, yes. And Ed Harris is like, you know, you SOB, you get back down here. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's trying to stop him. I would have loved to see him uh, more in this film. Yeah, uh, yeah, there were a couple characters that I would love to see more of, uh, especially when it came to the recruits, you know, like seeing more of Hangman. I loved every scene that he popped up in because he mm-hmm. just was that character that everybody was like, yeah, you, you can't rely on him at all. And then, of course, he has his redemption on at the end being right. the person that ends up saving them. And yeah, it's but one thing out of everything that has to be said about this movie is how tense those flights in the kind of uh, mountains are like how tight it feels. And with the perspective of looking like into the cockpit and going through the different turns, like when they're turning to go underneath the bridge and everything that Mm -hmm. the tension in this movie is absolutely on par with Mm -hmm. uh, just how, amazing that cinematography and that camera work is because it it makes you feel like i don't remember if you had the same feeling in the theater watching this where you're like ducking as they're like going under the bridges and stuff you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna duck from a screen (laughs) but i I hear what you say it was very visceral to you oh yeah so i i love that kind of stuff it's great you know um the build up to the final uh, showdown, like this, this film has good build up. Mm-hmm. There, there's great build up to the final uh, test, or I guess you know, on the fly, on the spot training of uh, you know trying to destroy the enemy. I liked it, man. This film has good tension uh, up to its final act. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about this one during our top ten of the year uh, podcast mm-hmm. before and everything, and yeah, it, 
there isn't too much more to say about this movie that we haven't said already because it's it made the top 10 of the year for a reason and it's nominated for best picture of the year for a reason i gotta say though if this wins best picture i'm flipping over my work (laughs) i'm flipping listen i don't go by what wins at the oscars anyway but i'm flipping over my work (laughs) desk if this wins best picture I'm like, y'all gave it to this, but y'all shaded Fury Road. Okay. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. It's a different time, uh, man. They need to get people in seats at the theater. They got to show that we, you know, they have the popular voice. Was Fury Road a flop? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Interested. Oh, no, not at all. Uh, oh, that, okay. That movie did spectacular in the theaters and it did even better when it hit home video. Well, I know the home video going to sell out. Right. Uh, but even in okay, theaters, okay. that movie did phenomenal. Okay, okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, man, I guess if I had to look at it, do it. I give this I I give it a soft four point five, but a strong four. So a four point five for me. Yeah, this is a four point five to me as well. It's it, yeah. it barely touches that five kind of thing, but there are a couple things that are a little bit drawn out with it. Uh obviously Every time that they're in the cockpit of one of the, you know, aircrafts or anything like that, this movie is just full on go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the scenes around that that sometimes kind of falter a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I would I would concur with that. Um, All right. And that brings us to the second movie we're talking about today with Triangle of Sadness, which is a three-part movie following the adventure of Carl, a male model, and Yaya, an influencer, who are given an experience to go on a cruise. Meanwhile, they're dealing with their entire relationship and what it means to be in the positions that they're in, as well as going by the relationship norms that they're expected to go through as people that are dealing with everything in their career path as models and influencers. Meanwhile, everything goes to havoc on the ship, kind of causing them to have to figure out what those norms mean to them in a different world. And I, I gotta say, this movie is probably... One of the ones that I had the least amount of knowledge going into when we were. Yeah, because outside of, you know, having the basic premise of, oh, this is about like male models, influencers kind of dealing with, you know, a uh, shipwreck kind of thing. I I didn't Mm -hmm. know exactly how far into it it was going to go. And. I also knew that uh, Woody Harrelson was in it because he's front and center on the poster, which (laughs) I got to say, watching this movie, uh, I was waiting for him to pop up the entire time. I was like, where's Woody Harrelson? Hmm? I said it took a while, didn't it? I know. I I wasn't expecting for somebody being front and center on the poster. He took a while to show up and then he kind of just came and went (laughs) very quickly within the movie. (laughs) But was this your first time watching the movie or? No, no, I saw it in theaters. Remember, I uh, I wrote a I wrote a uh, review for it on my other website, Black Cinema oh, okay. Rights. Yeah, like uh, I saw it in theaters, and I saw it the same day I saw um, Tar. Oh yeah, one of those, one of those films ended up on my top ten. The other one, uh, we're gonna get into it. Did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what one of them did not? Uh, but yeah, I saw this in theaters. Um, 
And I, I, I'll, I'll say this, man. Uh, you know, this film has so much potential in this opening scene because this director, if you know him, he's known for like 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 um, cringe humor type of films. Mm-hmm. He's he's known for cringe satirical comedies. Okay. Uh, so I so I thought this one would be like right up his alley of like you know films he's done in the past, and it, it is, but it's it's just so damn long. But we'll get to that. Uh, the opening scene, the guys like um, I love how the guy that's like like uh, interviewing all the models is like, okay, now pose for your your you're doing this uh this less expensive brand. Okay, okay now doing, pose for you doing yeah you're doing H and M. Okay, now right. you're doing you know top of the line <laughs> stuff. Right, and I like how um. They're changing from like like mean to like relaxed to mean yeah. to relaxed, um, and that's where the title you know gets uh you know we 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 uh we hear what the title means uh, in the line where he's like uh fix your triangle of sadness where it's like I think it's like right between your eyebrows like where it's, mm-hmm. it's like a little bulky or something like that I don't know, but the thing about this movie is all of the acts hit the, the acts are where they're supposed to be you um you start in the beginning the the near breakup. On the ship, uh, you know the the whole fecal sequence, which we're gonna get into. Yeah, <laughs> you know it, uh, the pirates shipwrecked. All of that works. It just would have worked in a much shorter film. It, like, yeah, this one being yeah. two hours and what is the full runtime? It, it was man, this is a it, two hours, twenty two minutes, twenty seven minutes. Yeah, twenty seven. It, it's a long movie and yeah yes. like you said it can be cut down fairly short for what it is and i absolutely agree with that when it comes to this movie the theme of it i absolutely love the humor mm-hmm. is it spot on i was laughing you know at pretty much every joke that's being made and even the acting absolutely great but mm-hmm. it drags certain scenes like the scene on the ship where yeah, it's it, the whole ship is kind of going down due to the storm and everything on it is going from, you know, bad to worse to a very shitty situation. And it just went on for so long that I was like, I get it. The ship's in disarray. I, mm-hmm. Is this leading somewhere? And then it's like, yeah. <laughs> it was on. funny at first. You know, mm-hmm. it was funny hearing the music and then seeing all the poop fly out and everything like it, it's a funny gross out scene but then it plays a little too long like you said and it's like okay that that didn't need to be as long as it was like mm-hmm. like that needed to be that could have been cut down right yeah and then the pirates coming out of nowhere i was like oh okay so this is gonna lead somewhere and then it basically just cuts to black as soon as they appear and they're <laughs> washed up on the island i was like really right. Really, you had to show us, you know, shit running downstairs for five minutes, but the second the pirates appear, you're just like, and then they just took over the ship, I guess. I feel like a lot of scenes in this movie is um is the director kind of throwing ideas at the wall and then just seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Just th- like there there are great moments within this movie, but I feel like they belong to another movie. Like the long fight between um uh Carl and Yaya rest in peace to uh uh Charles Charles B Dean who played the woman she passed away but like that long breakup belongs to another movie like in this movie right here that's about going on a cruise ship and chaos ensuing and you know the takedown of the rich that breakup was kind of un it was kind of pointless 
It, yeah, like, I yeah. mean, it, basically the whole second act with them on the yacht, it, their mm-hmm. entire relationship is kind of just pushed to the side for just right. yacht antics to occur. And then it's kind of brought back when they're on the island and everything where she's being super stubborn and kind of playing off of like being manipulative to get what she wants. You know, that whole mm-hmm. part of their argument comes back into play there. But it's a weird sandwich of a movie where you're like, okay, this is about their relationship and you know, him being like, okay, we have gender norms, but we should be fighting that because as like influencers and models, isn't, don't we have some kind of responsibility to be doing something to try and push people toward a better life and everything. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I kind of like where this is going. And then they're on the boat and that's completely those two characters are pretty much side characters once they get right. to the boat. And it's like, okay, so they were just an introduction to this world of like the rich and the famous and stuff like that. Okay. Let, let's, let's move with the boat stuff and the boat stuff seemed to go nowhere. And then they're on the Island and it's back to their relationship and back to the whole theme of like gender norms with the uh, women being the hunters and the men being the gatherers on the Island Hmm. and i didn't pick go ahead go ahead yeah but just with that whole thing it's like everything on the yacht just feels like you said it's a different movie yeah it's like uh what you said about the gender norms i I didn't pick up on it that's a nice thing to pick up on i didn't pick Mm -hmm. up on it the first time i saw this um but yeah everything on the yacht i feel like belongs on the yacht um I feel like Act 3 belongs after the yacht. Act 3 is mm-hmm. where it needs to be. It's just the first part, the prologue with Carl and Yaya, I just that just wasn't needed or it could have been cut down. Like 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 the whole bit about the money and everything could have been thrown in another movie. Like See, I think that like part a, was important to show later on when they were on the island, the way that she acts with manipulation, where she never intended to pay in the first place. She was only playing the role of going, oh, you think I should pay? I'll pay. Don't worry, I can pay. You know, trying to be like, I am the, I am a powerful force. I can do this on my own. I don't Mm -hmm. need you. And she plays the same role on the island where she plays the same thing, but instead she's kind of just following the women and going, yeah, I'm playing a powerful role here. I'm doing my part. Well, what part mm. are you actually playing? What What are you doing? Oh, you're following the other people that are actually doing the work. And so I think it, it works nice out take. in that. So I, I kind of disagree that the first part needed to be cut down. I think the first part is perfectly length to kind of show their characters and who they are and everything like that to start into that conversation of like the gender norms that they're discussing with. Oh, it, I didn't pay because I didn't see it. You really didn't see it on the table for the last 15 minutes. The giant book, the only object that's not white on this table, you completely missed it since they put it down and everything. I'll pay. Sure. It's not a problem. I'll pay. And going through that whole thing, to them basically having the same conversation at the end with the pretzel sticks. Except the difference being the roles kind of in a reverse situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I hear you, man. Well, you're making me look at this in a different way. I guess for me, the first part is just so talky. It's it's, it's so much dialogue. It's because it's so dialogue heavy. 
the point of it kind of got lost on me. I'm like, okay, let's just let's just move on. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. seeing much comedy here. I thought this was a comedy, you know. Um, so that that was my thing with it. But I like listen, I love the discussion between uh Woody Harrelson's character, the captain, and the um the guy that goes Oh, the uh, rich guy. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I still shoot. Or you know, yeah. that guy and they're, they're they're going back between um uh capitalist and socialist, right? Yes. Like I, I love that whole discussion. I kind of feel like that belonged in another movie because while this is going on, there's a whole literal shit storm happening outside. <laughs> and I'm like, the juxtaposition doesn't work in my mind. Or it's like, 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 it's like we're, we're focusing too much on another thing. And now, and we're going towards this thing that's happening, kind of stopping the film a little cold to focus on this back and forth discussion. I was like, this kind of belongs in another movie. See, I feel like there was some like, overarching thing with that conversation they were having with the quotes and everything like that. And I was trying to pay attention to the quotes to be like, okay, this might come up later in the movie. I didn't right. catch where they came up later in the movie. I it might've gone over my head, but I, I was tuned into that conversation. Like, okay, this is going to play somewhere here with them being like the, you know, socialist, you know, uh, and communist kind of like discussion that they're having. It's like it belongs on the surface, but looking down, believe it, like from a deep perspective, I'm like, either this is too on the nose or this could have been put in another movie. In my mind, in my mind, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of hijinks that happen on the yacht. I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like it like like the jokes, like, um, I don't know, they kind of run stale to me on the yacht. Um, See, what I did at the dinner, it started off very well with like the people getting sick because he refused to listen and threw it on the day that they had a storm coming and everything. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it went on way too long. (laughs) I'll say this. um, In the beginning, maybe you caught something I didn't. What was the whole thing with the Nutella? With the Nutella? They're bringing the Nutella in like this little safe, in like this little safe box and they bring it into the kitchen and, and the guy takes it out. And like, it looks like Nutella. Yeah, I don't. That one, whatever that joke was, it went over my head. Like it went over my head, too. It's yeah. Like, it's like a top expensive version of Nutella. We don't know about. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that didn't make sense. Um, Unless the joke was they were taking such per- secure precautions for something that is such like a, a common item. But yeah, that one I, I kind of flew by that scene and it was like, okay. <laughs> um now the third act when they're shipwrecked on the island. Now I really I like a lot of things about this act. Again, some things kind of, you know, plays a little too long and it kind of, you know, th- this whole film was a mess. But I like a lot of things about the third act, including uh, you know, the introduction of Abigail's character, right? Mm-hmm. Played by Dolly D. Leon. Uh, who I was surprised. Um, I don't think she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She should have been, because um, I loved her in this movie. But I liked the, the introduction of Abigail's character and how, you know, again, the uh, the power is switched, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the you know the the poor or the um, you know, the working the, class, the, the working class is over the rich right now, or the working class have the power. She knows how to hunt. Mm-hmm. She says it plainly. She says, "Do do any of y'all know how to hunt?" Everyone kind of looks at each other. He says, okay, I know how to hunt, so I'm in charge. Yeah. You know, um, I am the captain. 
right i am the captain now and you know it's even funny when she starts to like like have like a uh, uh an affair with um carl's character you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like and everybody keeps blowing the whistle <laughs> like, oh yeah whistle. <laughs> like i said there's some good funny moments in that final act when they're shipwrecked and again like there's the gender roles and stuff like that that you were saying which is which is uh i didn't catch the first time around but it kind of plays a little long again and that one scene where they 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 uh they kill the animal to eat it. Uh, you're talking gotta... about the donkey. It was a donkey. Uh, you're talking about oh. when they were in the forested area, or right, talking right? Uh, yes, that they was a donkey. Okay, yeah, and then he has to keep killing the donkey. Again, that was a scene where it was funny at first when he had to keep killing it, but then they kind of kept going, mm-hmm. and I'm like, the punchline's already been reached. We we can cut to the next scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. It's it, This movie has a lot of great themes in it. It has a lot of great characters in it. And overall, if you were to piece together this movie, there's a great movie in here. But it is just overshadowed by just how much filler this movie seems to have. And how much it likes to, you know, smell its own farts in order to be like, oh, see what we did there? We're killing the donkey. Now we're going to do it again and again and again and again. Right. And it's like, no, we get it. You you could show us the first time and then you can show like how it didn't work the first time. So you had to go back at it and then cut to like maybe them going yeah i'm surprised it took you like a half an hour to do that man yes yes that would have worked better than showing us a solid like four or five minutes of him just tossing a rock down to try and kill this thing yeah yeah it's um yeah yeah it's it's a it's a mess it has good moments but the whole film was a mess uh i love the final shot though i Mm. think the final shot with um you know uh abigail about to you know throw the rock on Yaya and then Yaya's kind of like, uh, hey, you know, you can be my assistant when we get out of here. Yeah, I can get you and a it, job. I can get you a better life. Right. And then that pair with Carl just frantically running through the jungle. I don't know why I love that final shot so much. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny how he's, he's running through all the leaves. Just, just He's like, let me get out of here. Yeah. Oh, the scene with uh, the lady that had the stroke was one of the survivors on the island and stuff like that and she's just sitting in the lifeboat when you had the knockoff like rolex and gucci (laughs) bag salesman come by her and she's trying to explain like stranded on the island there's other people and everything like that but she can't talk due to uh, her condition and meanwhile he's like the gucci bag yeah it's made in the same factory as gucci you know it might not have the tag but it's the same thing don't you you want oh rolex you interested in the watch rolex uh i i was cracking up that entire scene <laughs> see that was another scene that kind of played too long to me I, I i cracked up a little bit but then i'm like all right all right let's let's move on see i think you know, that like, one was paced a little it was paced better than the other ones i i was laughing throughout mm. that one i i just thought that one was hilarious i got you i got you yeah this movie uh i want this movie to be better than it was uh but it, it was mostly a mess to me i i gave this a 2.5 uh i i give this one a three it's middle of the road movie that has a lot of things i love about it but it's just it's hard to be like, oh, I recommend people watch this because there's just so much nothing 
happening in this yeah. movie. It can be cut down to an hour and a half, and I think this would be a fantastic movie. I think even two hours straight would probably be a better movie. 27 minutes of this being cut would, would make it just right where it needs to be for me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really my only complaint with this movie is just it's too long for its own good, and it just overstays its welcome when it comes to mm-hmm. certain scenes and jokes. But the themes, the characters, the, there's so much I love about this movie. I, I think three middle of the lane is where it sits, though. Now, listen, I know what I said about Top Gun Maverick. Um, if this one's best picture, I'm overturning my whole apartment. <laughs> I'm overturning my whole apartment if this was best picture. Are, are we going to start the next episode and your bookshelf is just going to be upside down? Man, my, my camera going to be upside down. <laughs> I I can't I can't if this film wins best picture man I I just can't wait to get to the next episode it's like hey Anthony what what happened to your blinds back there are you okay man right right, right. you see I got a bandage over me right like man I'm telling you I wasn't lying I I trashed my entire house two eye patches right just just the whole Sherrod. Right. All right. That brings us to the final one, the final boss here. We got uh, Todd Fields, Tar. Now, Tar is a very complex movie, uh, but I can. it has a very simple plot to it. So um, Tar, Lydia Tar, played by the great Kate Blanchett, is a, a, you know, a world-renowned conductor. Um, that's uh, preparing for her final, preparing for her big uh, performance, preparing for her big uh, uh, orchestra performance. Um, she's doing something that um, I forgot the name of it really, but oh, Mahler's Fifth Symphony. So she's uh, she has an upcoming live performance coming up. That's a big deal for someone in her position. Uh, it's kind of a milestone. So while she's performing. Uh, while she's getting prepared for this performance coming up, uh, she gets uh, caught up in a uh, possible career ending scandal uh, with accusations of sexual harassment and abuse. So basically, she comes face to face with cancel culture. Mm -hmm. Now, that in a very, very blanket statement is what Tara is, man. Um, Dude, off the bat, this was my number one favorite movie of 2022 and if i could explain to some i can't explain to somebody what this film was about if i could explain to somebody why i love it so much that that takes a little bit more that, that takes a little bit more in-depth conversation in-depth uh you know like back and forth, in-depth talking about so dude the, i think what i love so much about tar is that it takes its time it does have a slow pace in the beginning but if you stay with it and try to get on this wavelength this film uh rewards you in in, in spades mm-hmm. like um you know if, if you if you if you roll with it in the beginning if you if you're a little resistant to it in the beginning like and these people are talking about composers i don't even know about i just know mozart and bach who the hell are these people you know like um you might feel like you're, you're a little out of your depth but if you really just stick with it and follow lydia and follow her and start to notice like changes in her behavior and as the as the story follows her around because we follow her the whole movie it's just through her um this film awards you in space man i think it's a very intense character study uh i'm gonna get into some more things i love but i want to know what was your 
initial reaction to this. So right off the bat, when it comes to the beginning of this movie, I will agree. This is a very dry movie to start Mm -hmm. off into where I remember getting probably about like 20 minutes into it. And I was thinking, so this is Anthony's number one pick, huh? (laughs) This is, I didn't know that he was that big into music that like, this is his number one pick. (laughs) Oh, because yeah it goes into huge depth with uh composers and like the different ideologies of composers and her teaching a class and her yeah. like getting in the face of students because she believes that they can be better than who they are because they're mm-hmm. just following the rhythm of being a composer which it's one of the things where she says like it's not just about the rhythm i'm, I'm just i'm not here to just be a metronome you know, it's it's a lot more than that and all this other Time stuff. Time is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this is a very dry movie. This is okay, this this might be a rough two and a half or two hours forty minutes. <laughs> listen, but I listen, I am gonna let you finish, but dude, when I when I think about suggesting this film to people, I, I always try to say, listen, man, it, it gets slow. It's mm-hmm. slow in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Just stay with it, and it'll, it'll get to where it needs to get to. <laughs> um, my cousin, she was automatically like, oh, it's one of those movies. I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> she, <laughs> she knew off the bat. That's why I warned her first. I mm-hmm. said, listen, it's 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 a slow movie. It's deaf. I mean, it's deafy. Whatever right. you call it. But, yeah, it's as soon as this movie starts picking up, it really starts picking up because we get to see like her excitement toward being able to reach this goal of hers and everything as it's slowly mm-hmm. stripped away from her. And as it gets deeper and deeper into it being not only was this taken away from her, but now like her composer status is being taken away from her. The launch mm-hmm. of her book is being taken away from her. Her name is being taken away from her. And we just see her just go so deep deep down into herself that she just has no way to kind of climb out of the hole that she is digging herself into by falling into this trap. Because at the start, it's kind of alluded that, you know, this is all being done on her as kind of revenge for something. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that starts the domino effect. And then from there, she ends up knocking over more dominoes than that starting thing ever did. Because Mm -hmm. we're dealing with the suicide of one of her previous students, I believe it was, right? Yes. Yeah. And then there's the whole allegations of her grooming students and giving them special proprietary kind of like status in her kind of like uh, shows and everything like that. Including the former student. Including the former student. Yes. Yeah. And it, it just keeps going from there with, you know, different students using like audio to manipulate and create these viral videos of her saying things like out of order and out of context that make it seem mm-hmm. like she's grooming them. And that was brilliant. Oh yeah. And there's just it's so much to watch her fall to the point that we, we get to a point where she has lost the ability to compose for the event that she was looking forward to. And they have mm-hmm. somebody stand in her place and she literally jumps on stage and attacks him and then tries to, you know, take over and you see everybody like put down their instruments is like, no, this isn't, 
no. <laughs> right. And yeah, it's, it's, you feel for her. <laughs> you do. Like, that's the thing I love about this movie. There's many things I love, but the thing I love about this movie is that this woman is not a... I, I, I don't think she's a monster, mm-hmm. but she's done bad things. She's done uh, power... She's done abusive... She's abused her power mm-hmm. in ways that she shouldn't abuse her power. Um, and she's uh, wielded her power very unjustly. But it's like, when you hear that about people in the news, like, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein, who kind of is a horrible person. I think he's worse than Lydia Tarr. But, you know, like, I would put Lydia with a Louis C.K. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Someone that had power, had status, wielded it unjustly and um, a- abused and, like, um, har- harassed others. You know, abused yeah. and, har- or, and or harassed others. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't want to say what Louis did was abuse, but it was definitely sexual harassment, sexual misconduct. But, you know, with Lydia, it's kind of a step further, being that you you you, you get in an inappropriate sexual relationship with someone and then you cut them off. Then you fire them and you just shut them off. That's an abuse. That's mm-hmm. nice abuse. You know, um, yeah, yeah. So so going off that, like uh, go, looking at it from her purview, I like how this film is kind of like a dissection of cancel culture. You know what I'm saying, too? You know what I mean? Like <coughs> looking at it from the standpoint of someone who is on the receiving end of it and they're guilty, but you still feel sorry from them uh, for them. I feel like that's a testament to Kate Blanchett's like uh, terrific performance. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. there's two things. If these two elements weren't in place, Tar wouldn't be what it was. That's Kate Blanchett, Kate Blanchett, and that's Ty Field. If these two people weren't on the on either ends of the camera, Tar would not be what it is. Like, this is such a Todd Field film. Like, if you watch his films, his films are kind of films that you know deal with heavy subjects and take their time to like really build up to tension and everything going wrong or everything becoming tense same thing with this you know Kate Blanchett she's known to uh, do these very deep heavy roles and this is no different um dude what I love about this movie is that it, it foreshadows itself too like I love how in the beginning when she's talking with the New York Times um writer you get this one shot behind a woman's uh neck right mm-hmm. it's, it's it's behind a woman's head it's like the film is already showing you this character's Achilles heel, which is, you know, a good looking women. That's mm-hmm. Lydia's, that's Lydia's Achilles heel. And then you cut to the scene later where she's talking with everybody at the meeting greet or whatever. And she's like, uh, this lady is obviously flirting with her. Like, you know, I would love to call you sometime and talk to you about, you know, some, some music stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and she gets her number, of course, because like she can't help it. It goes to show, we got to mention too, Lydia's married with a daughter. You know yes. what I'm saying? So obviously she's an adulterer. Obviously she's cheating. But it's like, she it's the thing is like, she can't help herself. She can't help but abuse her power. Um, I love the scene at school where she confronts the bully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the scene. I will I, end you. <laughs> right. Because that kind of does make her look like a monster. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I love that. And I love the running motif where she always hears somebody. She hears voices like she always hears somebody screaming. Mm-hmm. I think that represents like the past catching up with her. Um, her former student uh, who eventually commits suicide. I feel like it's the past catching up with her. It's her past misdeeds uh, coming home. to The past chickens coming home to roost kind of. 
I, I love this movie, man. I love the way it was filmed. And you gotta you gotta love how it how it goes uh in its climax past when she jumps on the guy on stage and everything. She has to go back home. We realize, you know, that's not even her real name, Tar. Yeah. Her her name is Tar, but it's it ain't there ain't no apostrophe there. It's T A R R. You know what I'm saying? She's yeah, I love that back. when they kind of do that reveal when she's like watching the home videos and everything like that and going through all like the old school report kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. So she basically recreated this name to be fancier than it was. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I also love that the name of her book that she was publishing was called like Tar on Tar. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, hey, fake it till you make it. And mm-hmm. I feel like with her, she had obviously she has skill, mm-hmm. but she she shedded her past to not seem like she was like like from the lowest of the lower or seemed like she was less than than other people that were more, um, you know, high up and more wealthy in, in her in her world. Like um, I like when her brother, Tony, he doesn't even look at her. Right. He just he just picks up the mail. He's like, oh, Lydia, you're home. No, no, he, he, no, he says Linda. Oh, Linda. Oh, yeah. Home. <laughs> She says, oh, hi, Tony. And, um, you know, uh, you know, he picks up the mail and kind of like, you know, says like, you know, it seems like you forgot where you came from or whatever. Because she's in Staten Island. That's mm-hmm. where her childhood home is. Um, but I love that. And, bro, you got to love the end, dude. Now, I I thought the music in the end was sounded fire. But to her world, that's probably like on the low end of things. I, I love the reveal. She um she goes to the Philippines for a new job. I like how they they don't reveal what it is to the end to mm. the end. Um, and when she starts going on stage, she uh she grabs these headphones in front of this orchestra, and then you pan to the audience, and it's everybody in cosplay and it's Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that reveal because one, I love that game series. <laughs> mm-hmm. So initially, I was like. Okay, those those are some pretty good cosplays. I'm not gonna lie, and just knowing how demoralizing that was because it was a yeah. student orchestra for a video game soundtrack that she had nothing to do with that she was now orchestrating, and it's basically to her this is the lowest of the low that you can get. Is she's now orchestrating children for a video game. <laughs> And she can no longer control time, as she was talking about in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a great mirror to the opening scene, to that whole, you know, I don't want to say it was nonsense, but to that whole polished up thing of her saying, I have power as a conductor, and that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. She has no more power. She has yeah. to go by the beat of a song that she didn't make. Right. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love that ending because it shows it. And even when she's like trying to get reaccustomed to the life that she's having at this, like in the Philippines where she's moved to, I like how she's trying to like get some kind of relaxation. She can't get it at her apartment because everything's just so loud and busy. There's Mm -hmm. no like cafes or anything. It's just open streets. And then she even like asks, you know, the one uh, cab driver, you know, where where's a place I can like go to relax? Where where's like a massage place or something like that? And mm-hmm. he sends her to a brothel. And <laughs> I, I the scene where she's like, uh, just go up to the egg and select who you want. And she's like, I don't I don't understand. What do you 
what do you mean and everything? And then she's just so disgusted when she realizes where she is that she immediately runs out and just vomits right on the street. You know, the best thing about that scene, the the woman that uh, that they thought she was picking, I think she sat in the same she was seated in the same kind of position as the one woman that she had a crush on, uh, Olga. Um, oh, the, the, the young the, the Russian one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she she was seated in the same position of her, uh, in the orchestra as that woman was in in the room with all the other you know women that worked at the. Oh, brothel. I didn't catch that. Yeah, somebody pointed that out online. I'm like, dog, that is such a damn good directing oh, choice. That is great. Like, it is. It is. I gotta rewatch it to make sure, but I was like, dog, that's genius. Um, yeah, man, I I love this movie, dude. I think it's a great and in, great intense character study. I believe all the actors, all the players here are so. Like like so well chosen in their roles. Um I want to talk about uh there's so many scenes in here I can talk about. Uh one of the ones I I wanted to discuss, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um oh, so in the apartment she's in, uh the people downstairs the people that are like looking to like, I guess I like rent a new room there or something, go, Hey, we heard your music. Oh, okay. Did you like it? Oh, uh, we just asked, could you could you turn it down? <laughs> it's a little noisy and disruptive. She goes, oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. You just cut to the next scene of her just like berating them, like repeating the whole song, like mocking them and their family member that died. I'm like, this movie, dude. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, this movie goes into some like weird places with those kind of scenes and everything with like going, mm-hmm. I, I want to root for her. And then she pulls stuff like that. And it's like, okay, you, you are a monster underneath everything. But at the same time, I feel bad for everything that's happened to make her fall so hard still at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like, it's not like she's not guilty, mm-hmm. uh, but you still feel, you still, you still feel sad for her. Right. Like, you do feel sad. Uh, yeah, man. I, I love this movie. It was number one on my list uh, for best of 2022. Cause it really threw me for a loop. I did not. I I didn't expect what I got when I saw this film. I said, "Let me see this," because the trailers are very like, they're very subtle on what this film is about. But mm-hmm. I like Kate Blanchett and Todd Field is returning after, I don't know how long of an absence it was, but it was an absence bef- between this and his last film. So let me just see it, and uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is five out of five to me. Uh, yeah, I gotta agree. This one's five out of five for having such a dry opening. Uh, mm-hmm. it, this movie it surprised me in so many ways that I'd never expected because basically just going off of what the kind of press description of this is, it follows the story of Lydia Tarr as she is getting ready to open for her biggest conductor's moment of her life. And it's like, right. okay. It sounds like that's, it'll be a cute movie. That's the plot. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's the plot. <laughs> but I but I love the marketing of that. Like it really like now I knew cancel culture was gonna be introduced in this film because I saw like some review headlines before I went to go see it. Mm-hmm. But um I like how the marketing of it doesn't even hint at it. He goes, Oh, Lydia Tarr is a, a world renowned composer. Mm-hmm. She's getting ready to do her upcoming symphony. And then dot dot dot. And the people are like, That's but why is that a movie? Yeah, that's okay. Is this Lydia right. Tarr somebody that I should know? No, it's completely made up. It's a person that we invented for the movie. Okay, you know. so so what's the big deal then? 
you know there are people on Twitter that actually think Lydia Tarr is a real person. Oh yeah, same for uh, the person I, we talked about this with the one of the last episodes of Atlanta, where the guy that made you know a very goofy movie, <laughs> a lot of people don't think he exists anymore because they think this other person made it because of that episode. Yeah, uh, it was it was a goofy movie, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it was, I remember oh you yeah, telling a goofy me that. Mo- yeah. Yeah, that's a testament to the film. They really feel like Lydia Tarr is a real person. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there was, a, I think there was a picture where I don't know if it was Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh, but it was Kate Blanchett and another um, actor kind of shaking hands and smiling. And they were like, Lydia Tarr stands with uh, an admirer of her work, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Such and Such. <laughs> oh, I want to mention, dude, I see, and I love this scene and how it comes back to haunt her, but through the wrong context. I love the scene where she's talking with the young student and he's like, he doesn't want to perform Bach because Bach, again, you know, he, he, he was a uh, allegedly a problematic person in his time mm-hmm. and he didn't agree with Bach's morals and principles. And Lydia's like, you know, like she basically says in so many words, like stop being afraid to be offended. And uh, she's a little condescending. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was as condescending as, as, as uh, they made her out to be, but she was a little condescending and you know i like how that clip comes back later with like chopped out segments making it seem like she said something racist i was like that happens yeah. today <laughs> yeah the the fact that the viral video was hacked up like audio clips and video that right. had no contextual kind of similarities whatsoever it just is like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time today. And it's even wor- possibly going to be worse now with the introduction of like AI to create photos and to create audio because AI audio is almost indistinguishable from a person's actual, you know, audio. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting creepy to that point where it's like, OK, there's there's got to be some restrictions put on this or this is going to end very badly. Uh, mostly it's used for comedic effect right now and just having like people's characters say like crazy things that they would never say, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to get dangerous in the future. I can already tell, you know, but I can imagine. Yeah. And I, I think this movie like has that good clip of like just showing how detrimental something, even though it's edited and it's very clearly edited kind of thing, it mm-hmm. still hurts her. Like, they had to have a meeting to be like, how are we going to respond to this? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm so glad you finally watched this, man. I'm so glad you finally saw it. And I'm glad you liked it like I liked it. I, oh, yeah. In the, back of, in the back of my mind, I'm like, first 20 minutes, Brad's quitting. <laughs> this, this, this ain't going to be his cup of tea. But uh, I like I'll be honest. The, the first 20 minutes, the entire time I was thinking, Really? Anthony's that big into composing, huh? Like, this is his... Hmm, okay. I'm gonna have to throw more musical recommendations into the mix. Apparently, that's what he wants. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This did get me into composing a little bit, this movie. Um, but yeah, man, I, I guess when it all comes down to it, Tar wins out. Uh, yeah, when it comes to this episode, it, it, Tar's the victor. Yep, yep. Cool, cool. Uh, so let me ask you this. Who do you what film do you want to win Best Picture? Uh, so when it comes to this year, let me pull up the full nominee list because everything everywhere all at once is absolutely fantastic for like that adventure kind of movie. 
guitar is yeah. great for that. Looking into somebody's kind of perspective of council culture. Um, mm. It's th- this one, you know, uh, it's definitely not Avatar that I'm rooting for. Um, Elvis, yeah. I don't see it happening. Uh, yeah. Triangle sadness, no. Women talking <laughs> is up there. Yeah, I I wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't uh, be mad at women talking winning. Honestly, out of these ones, I I'd have to say the one that I'm rooting for the most would probably be the Fablements. Just because Best I picture? I really enjoyed that one. I thought it was mm. like great as like a love letter to cinema and everything and kind of having it. It's not the perfect movie, but mm, mm, I, I, that ain't best picture. Not to me. I mean, uh, yours, I, I gotta say, is probably Tar, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's 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 between everywhere. Uh, it's between everything, everywhere, all at once uh, for the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, if Tar wins, I, obviously I ain't gonna be mad. Oh, yeah. But like, it's between Tar and everything, everywhere, and women talking for me. Those are like my top three picks, but I'm I'm, I'm gunning for everything everywhere because everyone loves that movie. Yeah, I ha- I have a strong fit. I will kind of be surprised if it's not everything everywhere all at once. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like everything that's on this list, I I understand why it's on this list. Mm-hmm. And like I think the only one that I'd honestly be upset if it won is probably Avatar, just because it'd be such a like a a gimme award of like, Hey, <laughs> James Cameron, you finally came back and made a sequel to that movie from 2009. <laughs> right. You shut us all up. Here you go. Here you go. Here you, you win. Go. You, you somehow made something that looks even more beautiful than anybody could ever perceive a movie could be. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's it. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, I think this one's it. It's a great lineup for best picture. I think it's going to end up being everything everywhere all at once. Uh, I don't see it being Elvis avatar, you know, triangle of sadness. Um, Mm -hmm. Banshees, even though you didn't like that one, I, I can see where the appeal would be for that one to get best picture. I don't think it's best picture, but I can see where the appeal is behind that one for it. Cause I still really like that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, if if I had to be like, which one am I rooting for? You know, it, it would probably be the Fablemans. But I, I know deep down it's going to be everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm kind of uh, hoping about uh, everything all at once. <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, so um, after show topics. You seen anything lately? Uh, not much. I'm catching up on The Last of Us to get ready for the final episode tonight. Oh, nice. That's coming on tonight. Yep. I get to binge it now. Yeah, now you can finally. Did you ever finish the first episode? Don't don't hate me. I, I didn't. <laughs> got sidetracked. It, it was a good first episode. I just said, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you later. I just said, I'll come back. <laughs> that's fair well now you can watch the entirety of the uh show when uh the last episode airs tonight for sure for sure um what i wanted to tell you was uh 
I pulled a double feature this weekend. I uh I saw sixty five yesterday, and I saw Scream Six today. Okay. I, I, when it comes to sixty five, I, I plan to see that one this coming up week. Is it worth it? Look, man, I said I was gonna call this movie. Uh, <laughs> Uh, don't be a menace while battling your personal demons in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, Adam Driver was great. Uh, this movie wasn't what this this movie wasn't what I uh, what I expected to see, man. I feel like I should be uh, kind of suing the advertising on this movie, bro. <laughs> I was expecting Adam Driver versus Jurassic Park. And mm-hmm. instead, I got uh grief-stricken adam driver while walking in jurassic park oh, okay so it's kind of like uh you know where you're watching the jurassic park movies and you're going but where are the dinosaurs give, give me the no, dinosaurs they're, they're there oh no, are there it, it's just uh you know it's kind of a downer oh, okay <laughs> like, i mean like like i mean it's a good movie i it, it well well it's good if you know, it's good if you if you know what you're walking into. I didn't know what I was walking into, and I I was kind of like, oh oh, it's one of those movies. Um, did you like Arrival? Uh yeah, I thought Arrival was good. Okay, so it's like the film is trying to be Arrival, but it's it's within the wrong setting. Okay, like, if you tell me you're gonna give me Jurassic Park, you give me Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. not Jurassic Park in spurts. Okay. I, I I do love the uh, I, I'm going to quote it from now on. Well, it's a it, it's a good movie. Well, <laughs> if you know what you're getting into, <laughs> if you know if what you you're know getting what you're into. <laughs> right. Um, Just that hard was, turn that you made. Like, it's a good movie. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you know what you're getting into, I, mm-hmm. it, 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 it might be good to you. I would still say go see it to. Check it out for yourself, and we can talk about it. Oh, I intend to see um, that one still. Cool, cool. Uh, Scream Six, on the other hand, mm-hmm. that was really good, man. I I felt like that was a very good Scream sequel. If, if you like the Scream movies and how meta they are, and how they make fun of their own genre, this film is no different. It's very, it's very, it's it's good movie. I liked it. Okay, because this is the final Scream movie, right? Like this is. I don't know if it's final, but you know they could keep going on and on. But um, it's uh, yeah, I don't know if it's final. It might be final with the like original cast that they kind of brought back and everything. It could be. It could be. Because I, I think you know, that that's what yeah. they were saying is like this is this is the end cap for like the scream movies like that they're doing now. Uh, obviously they could reboot and do other things with it and everything like that. But I think they were saying that this is the last one that they were doing in regard to these actors and actresses. Oh, okay. Well, if it is not a bad final chapter, it was, I liked it. Yeah. I, uh, I like it, man. There's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of winks to the, uh, franchise as a whole. I thought it was very enjoyable. I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I forgot what else I was gonna say, but uh, oh man, uh, Inside with William Defoe next weekend. I can't believe this film hasn't gotten so much uh more advertisements than it deserves. You know what I mean? Not only that, but I don't know if it's the same for you, but in theaters around here, it's only playing in like the twenty seat theaters. It's not playing in any of the larger kind of theaters or anything. 
I expect that. I think it's an independent movie. I, it I is an independent kinda, movie. Yeah. Yeah, I expect it to go that way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, I'm going to go see it. Like, I always say, you know a movie is cinema when there's nothing but old folks in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, in Tar, in Tar, I didn't hear a whimper nor a peep. Everyone mm-hmm. was just focused. I think I heard a little bit of a snore. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> composing okay okay right right i'm back on track right but um yeah man, i'm excited to see inside dude I, a whole movie with william defoe stuck in an apartment that mm-hmm. he's trying to rob i'm i'm in oh yeah yeah i remember hearing the description for this movie and being like oh this was thought up during the pandemic wasn't it this is definitely like a pandemic baby kind of movie <laughs> You know, I never thought about that. You might be right. What do you yeah. think about? Well, I guess it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't count as a kaiju film, like the kind of movies you like. But uh, what, what do you think of the new Transformers? You think it might be good? Uh, it's it's hit or miss. On one side, uh, Beast Wars is what introduced me to Transformers. Like that was my generational Transformers gateway. But at the same time, I look at the trailers and I go, I don't have much faith in it. But at the same time, I'm going to probably be watching it with like childhood glee when Optimus Primal comes on screen and we get Air Razor on screen and, you know, Cheetor and everything. And I'll be like, oh, my God, it's my childhood. And then at the end, I'll be like, they killed it. Why'd they kill my baby? <laughs> what you have know, you done I- to my boy? I think because Michael Bay isn't directly uh, directing this one, you know, maybe it might be better. I don't know. Even though I got a love-hate relationship with Michael Bay. But go ahead. This one, so this one takes place directly, or not directly, but it takes place after Bumblebee and before all the Transformer movies with uh, Shia LaBeouf. So with that, it kind of gives them a little bit more freedom to mess with things. We'll see how it goes. I don't really have any hope or like despair one way or the other on this one. I'm going to see it because it's Transformers, but uh, I, I'm not walking into it going, oh, my God, another Transformers movie. And I'm also not walking into it going, oh, my God, another Transformers movie. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll just see. Uh, we might be surprised by this one, but um. Let me tell you something, man. I've been seeing early reviews, uh, early reactions to John Wick Four, and uh, it's looking pretty serious, man. Oh, I like this is. I'm so hyped for that one. Uh, I haven't seen any of the reviews or anything that people are saying about it yet, but Mm. I am 100 percent on board with whatever they're gonna do. The thing I thing I think about when I talk about John Wick, I said this is just required man food. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is required man food. You can't <laughs> go wrong with John Wick. No, it's basically John Wick. I hate to say it is one of those don't think about it. Just enjoy it kind of movies. And yeah, you're going to have the ride of a life. Right. Ain't no way someone's going to survive all of this. Right. That, that, that he survived. But if you think about it that way, you know, you, you're ruining the party. Yeah. Just just sit back. And just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Don't think about the fact that he's fighting people on motorcycles while riding a horse down the streets of New York City. (laughs) 
in broad daylight shooting each other. Just ignore that fact. It's fine. Just enjoy the fact that John Wick is on the back of a horse fighting people on motorcycles in the middle of New York City. Don't think about the fact that he once killed three men with a pencil. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, just, it's John Wick, bro. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm stupidly Wick, excited for that because uh, we both have screenings coming up for that one. So we'll be able to catch that one early. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I think that about does it here. Yeah. I, I think that summarizes uh, how things will go in next episode. We can tell uh, who won based on what uh, your bookshelf looks like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm really, uh, because of my rental insurance, I'm really hoping Angle <laughs> Sadness does not win. Uh, I really hope it doesn't win. Uh, that and Top Gun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Top Gun. I can I can flip the desk back. Uh, that's just a desk, <laughs> you know. That that's okay. I, I can't handle that liability. Oh. Um, yeah. All right, y'all. It's been another great episode of DFV. Don't forget to uh, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, keep watching movies. Keep loving movies, and uh, take care. <laughs>